podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready to go the extra mile in a Volvo Mild Hybrid SUV this summer? No plug-in required. Whether you go to the mountains this summer, the ocean, or somewhere in between, Volvo Mild Hybrid technology adds to a more refined driving experience so you can summer safely. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Palace Podcast. Yeah, Pod three hundred and one. I am Kevin Day. I'm hosting again this week for the last time because uh, JD is, uh, as he put it, babysitting. Babysitting. I did. Child. I did point out uh, via my wife that he doesn't. It's not. He's looking after your own baby. He's fathering. He's fathering. Is what he's doing. Yeah. He's parenting. Although I suspect the way JD is, it's more likely that. Baby's making him tears. We speak, <laughs> <laughs> trying to wake him up. Basically, just as long as it's organic tea. Of course, it'll be organic and like some fruity flavour. Some kind of <laughs> organic tea. That was the voice of uh, James Endicott. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm um, very well, thank you. Uh, Jesse, Jesse Boyce is here. Good afternoon, Kevin. And we have a pod debutante from uh, Paul Price, aka Homesdale Cravatic. Hey, Paul. Yeah, hi there. Hi, everyone. Hello. Oh, hello. Hello. Uh, this is Pod Three Hundred One. Uh, I, I apologise for. Re- I'll try and put as much sincerity in this as I can and then move on really quickly so JD can't edit the sincerity line please subscribe and give us a five star rating go on please give us a five star rating and review on iTunes because it helps others to find it here are a few of the latest reviews Uh, Monofan he says it's fair fun and perfectly palaced it's not just a game and this is not just a podcast there's more to come but I'll leave it there that's lovely all in 88 travelling from the city by car can be very boring but with the lads and sometimes ladies blasting out the speakers I'm transported to the pub having a chat about the best club in the world oh Oh. it says we make him laugh and sometimes cry (laughs) a little bit like us really doing it and and, uh, South London Gent uh, says Sean Derry funny as I won't read the word out (laughs) been listening for a year Pod 300 was the greatest He's on a train up to Leicester from South London. He laughed all the way. <laughs> <laughs> what, he's laughing because he was going to Leicester? I doubt that very probably, much. Uh, um, probably got his own carriage. <laughs> <laughs> and also we have, it says here in block capitals and uh, bold mm. and underlined oh, and asterisked because I forgot to read it out last time. All right. uh, big shout out to uh, Patreon. Oh. And this, and this, oh. this week's shout out goes to Debbie Turner. Hi, Debbie. Debbie. Hi. Yeah, hi, Debbie. Debbie. Yeah. Nice time to see. Yeah, so anyways... Um, uh, evening kickoff, which on Saturdays never, never the best. Away to West Ham, never the best, but nevertheless, away we came with a, 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 a bag full of points. Yeah, exactly, a bag <laughs> full of three points. And Jesse, yeah, I think we're having to. There's a pattern forming here. We're actually not a bad team at the moment, are we? It's quite surprising, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think anyone saw this coming. It was, um, yeah, welcome three points. I don't think anyone really fancied us to take them because they're they're not in bad form themselves. Having, who they beat United recently? Uh, who hasn't? It, yeah, yeah. They, they yeah. lost to Man City in the first day, and they're unbeaten since then. So that's right. Uh, um, but yeah, I think yeah, it's, no one saw this coming. It's all credit to Roy. I think I think he's just really um, getting a lot out of this out of this squad. Look more than anyone could expect him to. I think I've seen some people credit Dougie with his shrewd recruitment. Uh, I think uh, that's going to be it, don't? Yeah, <laughs> we'll be talking about recruitment in the right. second part, sponsored by the Athletic, actually. So. Yeah. I think more goes to more credit goes to Roy. He's just really, even with the absence of the skipper as well, just made that look like it was not a problem. Uh, absolutely, that. And, yeah. Uh, well, well uh, he uh, was replaced by somebody who we think maybe should be the future skipper, skipper yeah, or, uh, or the skipper anyway. I thought I was watching the game, um, but at the same time, the Doha Flex was on, and they're e- e- easily confused. The London Stadium and the yeah. Doha Flex. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's slightly more people at the yeah, London exactly, Stadium. Yeah, which yeah. is uh, shit. Let's not get into it's that. atmosphere. We don't want to be. We don't want to be confronted by Lord Coe <laughs> sending us back to our match of the day, etc. Um, what, what, Paul? What I was really interested about is like we're making a bit of a habit. You know, we go one 0 down, and Palace passed. You think that's game over? The last couple of seasons, and 
what impressed me most is that the second goal, there were five Palace players in the box. Absolutely. So, you know, Roy's reputation for caution and conservatism is belied by the fact that, you know, five, five, you know we, got, we got the equaliser and then he went looking for the three points. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, during the game as well, there was, some, there was some great passing moves as well. Something not typically uh, associated with Palace. I thought we passed the ball around really, really well. Um, uh, but, I, I mean, I go to every single game, so... Um, I've seen so many times under different managers as well, where we're we're probably at our best when we're perhaps a one one nil down, perhaps um, always away from home. Yeah. I mean, we seem to be really really good away from home. It's uh, it's something that really really suits us with that sort of on the break mentality. The fact we had five in there, I mean, that's that's a little bit unheard of. Yeah. But, but absolutely brilliant, you know, that we're chasing a result that late on in the game, and then, and the nature of it as well. I know it was a VAR etc. But yeah. Don't know. It was just. It was just a. Well, it was just a good goal. We'll talk about the the VAR VAR in a minute and debate whether it's VAR or VAR. Uh, James, you, I know you were busy up north, weren't you? I was busy up north talking about myself. Yeah, which is not unusual. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> was that busy? Um, it's quite easy actually. And I know you only got to see highlights of the game, but McCar- yeah. McCarthy slightly. And again, we'll talk about this in the second part. But with all the talk about you know defence and good goals, McCarthy went under the radar a little bit, and he mm. looked really comfortable on the ball. And he looked, he looked forward thinking, he looked progressive, he looked to get... He did, you know, and it's one of those, I think when we, when we signed him, and I've seen various reports about how much from 3 million to 800,000, yeah. everything in between. Um, you know, I think we're all a bit like, oh, well, okay, you know, he had a great reputation, started off well, and then, so had the, did he have a really bad injury, didn't he? He did, yeah, you know, really he bad. He came back, just like, well, you know, and, and it was you know, the whole sort of spending spree, uh, lack of spree in the summer was a little bit underwhelming for us all, but... We stuck by it. And, you know, it seems like Roy's maybe, you know, as with Cahill, who I think is, you know, a jewel in Roy's crown mm. in his Palace career. So I think maybe, maybe, maybe McCarthy, McCarthy or McCarthy. It's not McCarthy, is it? It's McCarthy. McCarthy. I've got to think of McCarthy Park. No, that's MacArthur Park. Anyway, yes. Well, um, it's, the third, it's the third club they've been at together as well, McCarthy and McCarthy. Yes. So they obviously yeah, Hamilton and then yeah, Wigan. Wigan yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've actually played together for eight years, apparently. Yeah. Eight, eight seasons. Uh, there's a, there's a, we're going to talk about VAR. There's a question uh, directed specifically to me from Paul Scowcroft. Uh, Paul, you're one of many people who asked me this question. <laughs> what do I think of VAR now? I'll say what I said on Twitter. It will eventually ruin the game. Without a shadow of a doubt, it's within ten years, will be the games will be four hours long. But on Saturday night, I'm a big man. Yes. I was willing to put a little arm around it and take it down the road for a drink and thank it very much for. But I, um, there's a question here from uh, one of our regulars, Leif Anderson's forehead. Hi, Leif. Hi, Leif. Uh, which uh, it made me chuckle when I saw it. Basically, what did you do in the two minutes while we're waiting for VAR to give the answer? He went to the kitchen and made a cup of tea. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, I don't and know if probably he... drank it as well, the amount of time it took to get the decision. I don't know if anyone saw, it was my favourite bit of social media at the weekend, this bloke being given his birthday cake Brilliant. by his family. Yes, that was fantastic. Whilst in the background, the VAR check came up. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, stunning. I think, you know, I think the thing was, you know, it is... It took a long time, but I think I think one of the uh, I saw an interview with a player from another another team actually who was talking about the VAR thing. Said it's just something we're going to have to get used to. And I think the crowd of the players are kind of get used to it. Now, is it going to ruin things? I think it is ruining things, or, but it's also changing things. Mm. I think the way the Palace team were just looking around at each other and everyone was just looking at that big screen. There was something quite exciting about it. Yeah. There is things and. Are you telling me that the Palace players and fans didn't celebrate? Of course they celebrated. Yeah. You know, well, it was it was it was twice. Yeah, it was. I felt for well, AU is not going to score that many goals, so getting two chances to celebrate is good for him. But <laughs> it's um, it, it was two things to check. That was a problem because first yes. of all, Kelly was just about onside, mm. and then AU was just about onside. But again, for me, the important thing was the fact that it was a really well crafted move. The cross from Townsend, the little jink to get the space, and the cross was was. First class, Kelly's header was brilliant, and I use instincts. I mean, we've we've talked about not having a natural striker. That was the instincts of a natural striker. Yeah. The that, first goal from inside six yards, you know. That was interesting, that whole setup, because I noticed it was PVA that took the free kick. Yes. So yeah. he basically took over all uh, dead ball situations. Lucas, job, Lucas. That was quite interesting to see that coming. Mm-hmm. And even that was even with Townsend on the pitch, mm. because obviously Townsend picked up the loose ball and then crossed it in to create the goal. Um, but I think... For me, this this was um, some. This is the cl- stop clocks right twice a day VAR decision for me. I mean, this is an easy VAR decision. Uh, if VAR if VAR was that clever, it would know that uh, AU hasn't got the pace to be offside in that scenario. 
So uh, <laughs> the ball, the ball was a, it was a straight down the line. It was an easy one to judge. You knew the movement of the ball at the same time as Au's movement. So this is a perfect situation for Varn. I think that that's that's fair enough. But you know, there's, there's been plenty of non penalties that should have been given, and mm. you know, let's let's just sort of look at this as a. A VAR wedding amongst many VAR funerals. But very good. Very good. You've been thinking about that one, haven't you? VAR, have wedding, VAR weddings and the funerals. Are great. <laughs> That's a great film, isn't it? Well, I but just, I think it's only—I think it's only the second time. Well, I don't say I think. I'm sounding falsely modest. I know it's only the second time that uh, a disallowed goal has been overturned by VAR, and both times it was West Ham because Bournemouth had a goal disallowed the week before. Fantastic. Right. And, I know exactly. So, <laughs> please, so well, that's yeah, the, definitely. The, that's the problem with VAR. You know, technically, uh, and I'm. Being neutral here, technically, this sounds odd and counterintuitive, but technically it was the right decision. It was the right yes. decision. But emotionally, somehow, you wouldn't have complained last year if that was disallowed for offside. No, no not at all. And nobody would have even checked. And and it was literally millimetres. I mean, Kelly was even closer to being offside than uh, IU was in the end. Mm. But I think, yeah. but I think, we, it, I think got, it was um, that and the amount of time it took to draw the little lines on the screen between <sighs> people's knees and the lines. Yeah. And, you know, it it was it was one of those decisions where straight away you could say, well, actually he's on side. Kelly's not interfering with play, arguably, but you could have made that decision. Well, very it was quickly. when he headed it. Yeah, when he, yeah, yeah when yeah. the first decision, the first piece, first piece, was, piece yeah. yeah, yeah. But but are you seemed convinced it was on side? Yeah, yeah and the, the instincts of a striker are normally correct. Oh, yeah. He looked furious when he thought he was, but I don't know. He was guessing. Well, um, but I, I think going back to the original point, I think what's most exciting and most pleasurable for the four of us around this table and all Palace fans listening is the is the nature of the goal and you know the fact that we yeah, had five you know and I think putting that aside um, it was a really well crafted goal so late in the game and also the you know just the way that our team are just going I mean there would have been a time when we'd have got that goal back and it would have been one all I would have got okay. We're away from home. Yeah. Let's just sit back. Let's just let's let's be more defensive. But yeah, respect the point. Roy's yeah, Roy's exactly. Roy's, yeah. Roy's substitutions were forward thinking. The team were just going. They were going for it. They they they, they wanted that win. Well, as we did at Man United, and I think I think if Allardyce was still manager, and he's one of my favourite Palace managers of recent mm. times, that would, would have ended a draw. Yes, because as soon as we got the not a lucky equaliser, but as soon as we got the equaliser, sort of out of the blue, that game would have he would have shut up shop. Yeah, well, it sort of followed the formula a little bit of the um, Norwich game. Not that, not quite because we were a goal up when Townsend came on, but it's, Townsend sort of assumed this um, fresh legs role. A little bit, a little bit of our mini Solskjaer uh, just coming on to try and step mm. up what we're doing in the final third and just being really effective with the short mm. opportunities he's getting. So that was encouraging. Um, I think it's it's hard to. to kind of say a bad word about AU he works hard in the matches I've seen and he's getting on the end of things which is um, quite unbelievable compared to what we saw last year so yeah all credit to what Roy is getting out of this squad because I just don't know what other manager would would be uh, able to do what he's done with this team and he's getting criticism for still playing with three slightly defensive uh, midfielders but it's all with a mind to just make sure that we're never more than a goal away from getting something as as the game comes to a close and We've got points out of that strategy, as hard as it is to watch for an hour at a time. It does seem to be paying off um, as as we reach the close of these games. Well, I think well, Camarasso is on the bench, which is good, and I think McCarthy is more attack minded. But let's we've had a lot of questions about the other end of the pitch. Uh, we'll come on to Gaeta in a minute, but uh, a lot of the questions are about PVA, who deserves credit for stepping up to take the penalty. Definitely, yeah. Um, but there's a, there's a couple of interesting ones. Uh, one from Chris Chapman, no, a.k.a. Pench Penis. I was best man at his wedding. Hi, oh, yeah. Chris. Love to the kids. He said, and this is, he, bear, with, bear with, he loved the Sean Derry pod. And his daughter, who plays football, found it inspirational. But he, he, he picked up on a question, that, or something that I said jokingly, is that maybe Ben Tacky would make a good centre-back. Mm. He pointed out, because yeah, Wan-Bissaka yeah, was a striker. Yep. Became a a fullback, so maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe that is a solution to our problem with Ben Teke. Yeah, yeah. forget Scott Dan was also a goal machine at one point. So yeah, you know, it's yeah. just that in reverse. But it's it's. I still see. I I, I know you disagreed with me last weekend, but I still sense a bit of love for Ben Teke out there, a bit of affection and a bit of desire for him to do well rather than pure. Of course, there's a desire because he's wearing he's wearing a palace shirt. You know, there's there's a desire. I mean, however angry you get as a fan, you you still want 
everybody to do well. But it's just after that last home game when, you know, that glaring chance to put us up. And and I was actually quite... It's, I think the intention of putting him on on Saturday against West Ham was, you know, a positive move from Roy. But I was still head in hands going, oh, yeah. he's, he's obviously not going to score. And if a chance does go to him, it's not going to happen. Now, if I'm thinking that, I wonder what, the, wonder what he's thinking. I wonder what the rest of the team are thinking. Now, I know they're all in it together and they'll probably go, no, I just really want him to score. I just want him to score. That's all I want, you mm. know. And I just think, again, it's a, it's a game about confidence. We talk about this a lot, but I don't know. I was, just, I, I, I was still a bit like, why are you bringing him on? But then again, I guess there wasn't many other choices on the pitch at the time. On the, on so, the, on the bench. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about Van Arnold as well then. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll address this to you, Paul, this question. Mm-hmm. The first one... The first question is slightly more pessimistic than the second one, which I'll address to Jesse. Um, <laughs> Achini says, can we address the fact that despite the penalty, Van Arnold can't defend? Was responsible for the goal, possibly. I think that's a bit harsh because that was a very good goal. Yeah. And just looks better going forward. You know, I think he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a lot stronger going forward, let's yeah. be honest. Um, I think a lot of the times he's sort of spatial awareness um, for knowing who's around him isn't, isn't quite there. Uh, I think if it's a one-on-one and he's chasing somebody down to get a challenge in, I think he's okay. Uh, I think a lot of his problems, to be honest with you, are because he does get forward. He does get forward and then he leaves us exposed and he's not in the right position. And as a result of that, I wouldn't say that's every time, but as a result of that, we then we then concede. Um, and it just so happens we've conceded a lot from that side of the pitch. So... Um, I don't know. It's, it's it's a strange one, really. Um, I can knock him. I can knock him for some of his defending, but he also scored the winner at Man United. Yeah. He got that penalty, uh, or slotted away the penalty and, really well at West Ham. And, and according to Hodgson, he insisted that he was going to be the replacement penalty taker in yeah. training early in the week. As soon as we knew Luca was out, he said, "I'm taking any penalties," which you have to admire. But here's, Jesse, here's a potential solution. Okay, this comes from uh, Richard Aegis. Hi, Richard. Hi, Dicky. Another. Um, so think old this, school, Kev, aren't you? No, he's Dick. He's, he drinks and he's my mate. Oh, does, oh, oh yeah, I apologize. Just, just by so, so basically, you're just reading out questions from uh, your uh, mates. Uh, aren't no, you? I, I, <laughs> the ones your weddings at weddings I, are, I, the I, ones I, that you I, drink I, within the porcelain. It's just all your mates. Kev. I make. I've known Dicky a long time. You are abusing uh, your power as the host. I, 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 well, I, I make no apology <laughs> except to all those. I apologise to all those people whose questions won't be read out every week. But, <laughs> but I don't know it's, you. It's only because. <laughs> In the past, I've tried to be fair when I've hosted this pod, but every time I host it, and then I get so much grief from friends going, why don't you read my question now? Fair enough. And, and when they're good questions, and I think this is a really interesting question. In January, Jesse, mm-hmm. do we buy a left back for PVA and put PVA as an out-and-out winger? <sighs> rather, than replay, rather than run him as a left back for... I know Hodgson's... We'll discuss this in the second part. Hodgson's talked about cover for both fullbacks, but maybe... Mm-hmm. Maybe that is a solution. Use PVA as a, a wing back or in or as a winger. It's been talked about a little uh, previously. I think not that we had uh, someone who would directly plug in there because Schlupp's any left back sh- duties that Schlupp ever had have seen. We've never really seen them. We just know that he did that at Leicester a little bit. So I don't know who would be a good complement to him on the left. But we've got Andros and Wilf as our kind of outlets. I mean, it it would. Uh, absolve him from his defensive responsibilities which would be a huge relief to most of us mm-hmm. um, and he's, he's done it right he's, he does it in the at the end of the games it always, always felt to me those last games of the season where he tends to pop up when, when, when we're safe and he's got licence to bomb on a little bit and get on the end of things um, you kind of see that he's got potential to be that, that threat High scoring defender in the Premier League in the last two years I think he's yeah. relegated three teams as yeah, well. yeah. Yeah. Wow, he's got his last. Yeah, yeah his last. So you, goal was you, he's a legend. <laughs> but, but that's a that's a good point, though, Jesse. Because I, without checking this, I'm guessing that his goals do tend to come that last further of the season. Where certainly when we had uh, Loftus Cheek and him and Zahar and Van Arnold playing together, and the same in the last season when we got that safety, maybe that license to go forward. Yeah, when we relegated Hull, we, we scored four. Remember that? Yeah, he scored in that one, and he scored against Bournemouth in the five-three. Yeah, it was just like we're safe. You're, you can Stones, go past the halfway line now, yeah. Patrick. That's yeah. what Roy says. Well, um, <laughs> talking to strikers, um, we work with uh, PC Wires. Hi, PC. I don't PC. know. Who, I don't know. He's not a friend. Thank goodness for that. I don't know <laughs> if he's a policeman. I don't know. <laughs> PC Wise. I don't know. Well, he's just very politically yeah. correct. I <laughs> know uh, that's PC gone mad. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. He would be my favourite police. If there was an actual PC gone mad, that'd be great, wouldn't it? The politically correct policeman. Um, 
Townsend's come on from the bench twice, and each time this has led to a goal. Should he be starting? I think he should be starting. I know there's a lot of schlup fans around this, but I know one schlup fan is babysitting at the moment. <laughs> but for me, Townsend, I think schlup's position is slightly nebulous. For me, Townsend's more of a goal threat and better defensive cover. I'm a Townsend fan. I think he gets hard ride. I mean, he's his ball retention has always been a real strength for me. Like he can be in the trickiest, tightest spot, and he can come out with the ball. Uh, it might only be a pass back up the up the line to Wardy, but it's he, he doesn't give it away in the way that Wilf sometimes is guilty of, in a, in a quite a visible way, and, which has led to goals recently. So like, I don't see Townsend doing that, do you? You don't see him the one giving it away when we're trying to defend a lead with five minutes to go. Yeah. He will run into the corner, he'll find someone, um, he'll try and make it count. So I think we miss his retention uh, and the, the kind of technique that, that he's got that others don't. Um, I don't know, I remember things like Wilf, Wilf from his natural position did a really nice bit of trickery and got in a position where he put the ball into Schlupp who fluffed a little chance against West Ham which he did the other week. Like mm. we sort of I still think there's a little problem there. We're still only winning games by a goal because we don't have natural finishers or goal scorers in those key positions where the opportunities are happening. So there's still a little bit of work to be done getting the right mix up front. I don't, don't think Roy really knows what his best 11 is right now because of the defensive injuries we've got. Cahill's been a really good plug-in. Um, I was hesitant about the Cahill signing, not because I doubted his ability or anything, but I just got here. I saw us doing that to him and McCarthy. Mm. Let's get these players, and they've got had no minutes last season. Yeah. In the same way we did with with Mayer. Yeah, and he didn't play. Well, we will talk about that yeah. more in in detail in, in part two. But I did for you, Paul Schlupp, because he's not defensively good enough to be a left back. No, he's. he's Everyone says he's a, one of the best wing-backs in the Premier League, but we don't play with, with wing-backs. So no, and, and I think Townsend's just a better... Well, I prefer I, I prefer Townsend, but I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big Townsend fan. Um, I think his work rate is amazing, that's one thing. Mm. I do also, however, think that it is healthy and something that we've not had the benefit of in, in years gone by, where we've got somebody like Townsend that we can bring off the mm. bench. Um, but it's, it's also healthy from a perspective is there is that competition there. There, you know, he hasn't got a place at the moment. He is coming off the bench. And I think that's a really, really good thing. So you were talking about PVA earlier. To a degree, he hasn't got any, he hasn't got any competition. So, you, and you always notice it, don't you? People up their game big time if there's somebody yeah. else that's sitting there in the, in the shadows. So, uh, but for me, for me, it's Townsend over over Jeff. But um, I don't know. I think they're both great. I think they're both great players, and they both got different different things. I think Jeff's a bit more direct. Yeah. I think Townsend's good from that sort of wing winger position, more more out on the side. I, I, I do think Townsend. I'm a big Townsend fan myself as well, but I do think he's a. He's almost a bit of a one-trick pony. You always know what he's going to do. He's always going to cut in. He's always, he's always, he's always do that cross, that floating cross, as he did against West Ham. And I think you know, after a few games back in it, the opposing defenders will look at that. They all know what he's going to do. He's going to run down that way, and he's going to cut in and go that. So they can always cut him off. So he, he does. I mean, yes, he's a very skillful player, and he does a lot of great things. But when he's just on it, he's just like he doesn't have that many options in a sense. So he's easily. He's easily um, defended against. Well, well I've, I, th- I think that's why that cross was so effective on Saturday because he, for the first time, he went a different way because he's turned back inside himself yes, rather than there you go, and that confused the defender. But, the, but Kev, the amount of times he does oh, those crosses I've, when I've, it, when it goes to the corner flag, yeah. or it goes over the bar, so yeah, 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 but yeah. there's always one out of every seven or eight where it'll just it'll be pinpoint perfect, and we always know he can do that. We always know he's got that cross in him. I mean, you know, we've. We don't really we don't have great crosses of the ball, no, really. Well, a, you know, but then again, we've never been in the middle to knock him in anyway. So, <laughs> well, I don't, yeah. I, God knows how we're six in the. <laughs> it astounds me, really. We've we got, we got no goal scorer. We've got a rubbish left back. We're not playing our right midfield. What's yeah, going yeah. on? Then, uh, we need to end this part and move on. But to, two two quick questions. One from me to end. First of all, question from uh, a patron. I still don't know. Is it Patreon? Patron? I don't know. Just, well, just tell anyway. Them. This is from Lockie Gawley Price. Hi, Lockie. Um, and I, this is for you, James, this oh, question. excellent. Uh, Gaeta, is he looking like he could get to Spironi levels of quality and legend? Or was he responsible for the first goal? I think, you know, he's he's an amazing shot stopper, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that one that... I mean, I know he, the the guy kicked the ball at him or head or whatever it was in the first half. Yeah, no, he spread it was, himself. It was right really yeah. But, you know, it's, there's, there's something about him that is, you know, he's he's... Eccentric. There's a real eccentricity about him, and 
and you you feel very safe when the ball's coming over, but there's also not 100% safe, and I quite like that about him. Mm. Um, is he going to come to the... You know, he's, he's got a long way to yeah. go to get anywhere near the levels of a, a Sproni or even a Nigel Martin, you know, going back a few years. But he's he's a great addition to the squad. He seems like a great character. I sort of follow him on Twitter a little bit, and he's very... I am Crystal Palace goalkeeper. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, that on Twitter. Yeah, I, that. I am Crystal Palace goalkeeper. I thought, brilliant. You know, I loved that. I love that. And I, 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 I find it playing good. I am Crystal Palace fan. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, 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 he's obviously got a real passion. I, you know, um, he's got the mad goalkeeper handbook, he's got, hasn't he? He's got the mad goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. yeah all right, definitely. Fi- got final question to all of you: Are we worried that that was the oldest ever team we've ever put out in the Premier League? Average age of over twenty-nine. Is no, that, I'm not worried. personally not. No. no, no, not at the moment. I think we'd be worried if if you didn't start adding a bit more youth into that and bringing people through. I think that's okay. I think what Roy is doing is he's steadying the boat, but he's steadying the boat with some really good, uh, you know, Experience. proper pros that have been around the game for a, a long time. I mean, you've only got to look, you know, Cahill, I know we talked about him earlier, but he's not the fastest. He's, no. you know, but look at look at what he brings. He brings organisation and passion. I, and I do think that that age, we spoke about it in a couple of pods ago or maybe last pod, but it's that, that age thing, the average age of 29 now is not what it was, say, 10 years ago. Yeah. It's not. You know, the average age of 29 now would have been an average age of maybe 33, 10 years ago. Um, you know, it would be a worry if we're in an under-23 tournament. It's just such a... <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, ref- it's so refreshing to... Uh, it's so refreshing to start a season where everything seems to be going for us. You know, it's, I know. It's usually it's, it's a little bit of a slog. For the first ten twenty. Yes, I th- it's it's nice to be in have points have have double figures and yeah. you know we had double figures before October. It's didn't kind we? of like what Watford's start was last year. They were yeah. kind of halfway to safety by. And also, November. Jesse, let's look. You know, we're we're, we're now sixth. Yeah. Our next five games are against the five teams above us. I've got a question for you then, yeah, James. Yeah. So uh, now that we're in, we're we're uh, fighting for a European place. Yeah. How typical Palace would it be <laughs> for us to uh, get into Europe? Only to be scuppered by. Uh, Travel restrictions from Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be very typical, Palace. Yeah, Can you be our tour manager? Yes, yeah. I'll be the tour manager, definitely. Holy mother of God, really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we, we want to come back you. at some stage. No, no, no. I've, I, I, I know a few back streets of a few big cities in yeah. Europe. <laughs> don't you worry, boys. Don't you worry. We'll have a good time. I don't want to sleep on a Belgrade pavement. Thank you very much. <laughs> you, hey, look, Kev, you won't be sleeping, mate. <laughs> And on that slightly sinister note, we'll end part one. We'll be back to join us again in a minute for part two of the Palace Pod. Weddings are the celebration of all the details that make a couple perfect for each other. And you can find your perfect fit, too, at Indochino. Choose every detail of a custom tailored suit, from lapels to linings and more, starting at just $4.99. Uh-uh. My bad. Shh. Sorry. Find the suit that's perfect for you. Go to Indochino.com and use code PODCAST for 10% off any purchase of $3.99 or more. That's 10% off $3.99 or more at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. Code PODCAST. Welcome back to Five Year Plan Palace Podcast. <laughs> Pod 301. Um, oh. I'm still slightly worried about the idea of not sleeping on a Belgrade pavement <laughs> when we get to Europe and Endicott's looking after us. Um, part two of the pod is, is sponsored by The Athletic, uh, as you know, because JD tells you every week, world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace. They're a subscription-based app and website, and they are completely ad-free, unlike us. No ads, no annoying pop-ups, just brilliant articles. <laughs> Welcome to the new home of football writing. Visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP to start a 30-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription, which is £2.50 a month. Now, I'm just going to read out this week's article which is by Dominic Firefield, okay. friend of the pod, yep. a very good journalist, as is Matt Rusnam, who's been writing for The Athletic recently. And Crystal Palace fans. Uh, of course, yeah. Uh, it's headlined, Crystal Palace paid less than £5 million for cast-offs and are beating the Premier League's big spenders. 
Back in the summer, while Palace were working their way down a roll call of potential fullback recruits from League One to London SW6, and their search for forward reinforcements was widening to taking targets as far afield as Moscow and San Sebastian, Roy Hodgson had submitted a rather less exotic wish list to the recruitment department. On it were the names of Gary Cahill and James McCarthy, players whose attributes the manager knew well, experienced older heads whom he felt he could trust to perform from the outset, despite the pair having mustered a combined 36 minutes of Premier League football last term. Now, this is interesting for me because he's absolutely right. They're both yeah. very good business. But what he says there is contrary to what I've believed in, and what Roy has heavily indicated, that he has been no part of the transfer policy at all. Now, if Dominic's right and Roy identified those two as targets, mm. either you say, well done, Dougie, for getting them, or you say, what the is Dougie doing if Roy is actually looking for the transfer targets? So I think, first of all, we can all agree that McCarthy in particular, um, uh, Cahill in particular, yeah. is probably going to be one of the best pieces of transfer business of the, of the summer, isn't it, Jesse? Yeah, I thought he was exposed against Spurs, but I think that was a little Everyone bit... Was a, uh, yeah, yeah, I think down to not helped by an unfit Sacco and their first game together yeah. uh, against a team that always seems to dominate us uh, in that final third. Um, so I think... He, I think he's going to get a little bit tested against the bigger team. So I think we'll see Cahill really get um, a kind of tough situation in the next five games, as we know. But I think against these sort of lower, against Norwich, for example, they, they pose no problems to him. And someone like Puki is playing in, who is a deadly finisher, but he's playing in the Premier League for the first time, really meets his match, a Premier League kind of veteran that Cahill is. So I think we're going to see him comfortable against those kind of teams, but slightly tested against the bigger ones, which is only, that's, that's, that's Palace, right? It's, that's fair enough. Um, I think if I was Dom, and I've read the article, it's brilliant. I think if I was him, I would be writing this article right now because it's it's good for two weeks until we play the big, the, the top five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it, it's the right time to say it whilst, but everything's going for us as we just mentioned, right? Yeah. So the only reason we're sick is because Spurs, United and Everton haven't turned up yet. And otherwise, they'd be above us, right? And we'd be seems like, and we have had, we've not been scuppered by VAR like West Ham have, as you mentioned. So things are going for us right now. The injuries haven't really stopped us because Cahill's done a great job at filling the gap. Uh, AU's suddenly found some shooting boots. Um, Zaha's got out of his mood. So things things are going okay for us right now. I think um, by the time we come out of these next five games, I think things will settle down to something a little bit more realistic. Well, Paul, what happens when Tompkins and Sacco are fit then? I, I really don't know. I've been I've been thinking about that a lot actually. Um, I mean, the the other factor in there as well. I mean, you've got Kelly. Kelly is the, yeah. the guy. Is so I, I've I've yeah. always liked him. Kelly's always, hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's I've always liked him. Um, he, the, that the reference guy, will mean nothing to people under the age of thirty-five. Uh, by the way, means a hell of a lot to me. It's a great <laughs> film. Great film. Yeah, yeah. but um, Ke- Kelly's. I mean, what what a model pro he is. Yeah. He's he's been played out of position, took all of the stick for that, and and he's in the mix as well. So I think you've got four people, all looking for that, all looking for that positions or those positions in the middle now. So I'm I'm really I'm, I don't know I might have a bit of a loss actually. I can't really work out well, what what's a good option. Well, one of the other things that Dominic says in, later on in the article, which uh, uh, as Jesse says, is very good. It's like if you look at our back four that started against West Ham, if that was a Championship team that got promoted, you'd be thinking, oh, well, you need to beef that back four up a little bit. But all four of them, Wardy, despite the mistake against Nor- um, Wolves, all four of them, PVA less so, but uh, are defending really well. Yeah, well. I mean, Ward had a great game uh, against def- Wolves until that point. Uh, absolutely, and one a of the great game against West Ham as well. Yeah. Again, against a very mobile front three that West Ham have got. Yeah. No, so I, I don't know. I don't really know what the answer is. I suppose you, you'd have to spin it depending on who you're playing. If someone's got a particular strength in your opposition, then maybe someone who's a bit pacier would would fit the bill. Um, if not, and you're playing one of those lesser teams, as you as, as you know, they probably don't like being called lesser, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. lesser teams, then maybe Cahill is is the right one to sort of steady the line. Well, we're going to finish this uh, athletic sponsored section with a question to James Endicott. Okay. Uh, and this is a question from <laughs> podcast overlord Jim Daly. 
Oh, really? <laughs> oh. I like the way he describes himself. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> and his, his question is, uh, with Cahill, Gaeta and AU smashing it, um, mm, okay. should gotcha. we finally be giving Dougie a bit of praise for the deals he's managed to make? Uh, P.S. Shout out to Selzy, who will be yelling at his... So, again, this comes back to the question I first asked. Yes. If, if it turns out that Dominic's right and he's close to the heart of the club, so he probably is... And that Hodgson is, after all, uh, running the transfer policy. Does that mean that Freeman does get credit for bringing those targets in? Or do we question what Freeman's role is? Um, I've always questioned what Freeman's role is, as we all have on the pod. But it's interesting, when we had Sean Derry here last week, and he's talking a little bit about it on the pod, but also when we weren't on air, when we were sort of saying hello and saying goodbye and chatting away to Sean... He's got the utmost respect for Dougie and says he loves mm. the he loves the club and he's he he sees that Dougie's doing something very very important to the club. I personally can't see it at the moment, but I kind of trust Sean because I think he's 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 a very passionate and and very passionate person and he's a football person and he's got a lot of time for Crystal Palace. Um, I think I think whatever's happening in the transfer market, I think it's I think I think Roy's I think Roy's got input. I think Dougie's got input. Mm. Uh, I think maybe one or two of the Older players, more senior players, may even have a little bit of input as well. I, I, I don't think you could lay the 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 praise or even the or not praise if it was going badly at any one person. I think the way it's the way it's seen, especially after reading that article and also what Sean was saying last week, it maybe maybe they're working more in tandem or more together than we actually think they yeah, are. Yeah, I find it very hard to believe that Dougie's just got that one job. I'm going to get players and I'm going to go to Roy. Right, you're having this player. Mm. I think he's he's Roy Roy's Roy's been in this game longer than. Dougie Freeman's been alive. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. And yeah. he'll go, right, I've got these ideas. And he'll go, yeah, it's pretty good. I hadn't thought of that one. Or, yeah, oh, I don't know about that one. I think there's more, I think there's more interplay between those two than we actually think. Well, That's I, what I think. I also, to end this part, I thought it was really interesting the way Sean Derry talked about Cahill's attitude and the way he carries himself around yeah. the club. Yeah. And then that's clearly rubbing off on on some of the younger. Oh, players, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so well, that's it for this this part of the pod. Join us again very shortly. Will we be talking to Paul all about a very special project he's taken part in recently? Okay. Welcome back to part three. Well, that was the FYP quick. podcast, pod 301. <laughs> wow, 301 already. It's amazing. It, it only seems a happen. week ago we did pod 300, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, and already, already <laughs> JD's, JD's already making plans far ahead to 302, 303. Really? He's thinking as far ahead as that. 303, uh, now that'll be good. Oh, there'll be a lot, of, be, a lot a lot, of beats with that one. There we go. Yeah, we're going to try and get John Jackson on for pod 303. <laughs> just for us older Palace fans. <laughs> JD has promised he'll be back. He'll have got over the baby brain by then. Um, so, Paul Price yeah. from uh, Homesdale Cravatics. Uh, which is very funny. Uh, always the, probably the best dressed Palace fan. Apart in this from, room, maybe Steve. Maybe Steve <laughs> Parish. <laughs> maybe maybe Steve Parish would uh, would disagree. But you've you've become very involved in issues around men's mental health recently, and you are walking to the Arsenal away game. So tell us tell us a little bit about how, about how this came about and why you've arranged this walk. Right. So um, a few years ago, I met a guy called Lee, who's a Fulham fan, on a TV show. He was talking about what he was doing, which is uh, walking between grounds to raise awareness for men's mental health. Um, what I've done is I've uh, grabbed the grabbed the ball by the horns as such. Um, and the first one we did was actually uh, from Fulham down to Crystal Palace. So we had about 76 people on that. Uh, we did an Arsenal one prior to that. And we've also done a Dulwich one. The reason I'm passionate about it is I did very badly suffer with my mental health. Still mm. do today. Um, but it's manageable today. I've also, if I'm being really honest, I've contemplated taking my own life in the past, and oh. and one one thing led to another. And I'm sorry to bring the you know if I'm bringing the show down, but it was it was something that really really struck a chord. So what we're trying to do is walk between the grounds um, and raise awareness. The awareness piece is key. It's not to raise money or anything like that on this on this instance. The awareness piece is key. It's to raise awareness for the uh, the whole mental health and suicide side of things. Um, I would I would say at this stage it's remarkably brave and honest of you to say that, but the mere fact that I say that shows that we don't talk about mental health enough. No, absolutely. Because it shouldn't be brave and honest. We should be able to talk about mental health the same way we talk about cancer or, or a fracture. 
And for those people listening who wonder why we specify men's mental health, of course it's an issue for everybody, but the figures around the suicide rates for young men in particular are horrendous and they're not getting any any better. No. So we, this is a conversation we do need to have. And football, it seems to me, Paul, is the ideal place yeah. to have this conversation. And I'm, you know, one of the things that the foundation very much focuses on is mental health for young people because people listen to football clubs and if, if a football club offers them advice or even a way in even the Samaritans poster then it's a it's a good start isn't it yeah absolutely the the I mean the biggest killer of men in the UK under 45 is suicide wow. which is which is a staggering statistic um, the numbers actually got worse in 2008 it was uh, 4,903 men so it's 75 yeah. percent of the overall total with the uh, the other 20 percent made up with uh, ladies so I mean that's 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 13 13 men a day that's Whoa. one every sort of 1.3 1.4 hours it's 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 terrible and it's all it's all avoidable so what we're trying to do is just on a real positive note just to spin this around is make it really really visible make it um something that's acceptable demonstrate how not how easy it is to talk but demonstrate that we are talking and that we are trying to address it um, and football, as well as the profile of the, the um, supporters being under 45 or a big, big, big section of that, and men as well, it's it's so far-reaching. You know, um, people in China are watching watching our games yeah. And, yeah. and all of that kind of thing. So you can really, really get a, a huge message out there, and and I think make a difference. And, we, and I've even got evidence of it making yeah. a difference since we've been doing. Is, it. Is it's just the fact that it's the awareness of people aware of it. But it's also it's that thing that Kev spoke about. It's just being able to talk. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, there would have been a time, maybe 10, 10 years ago, we're probably less, where you, we, we wouldn't even be sat here talking about it. No, no, absolutely. You know what I mean, so it is, it is moving on. It just yeah. needs to keep on well, moving. Talk, talking it? saved my life. Basically. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, yeah. I'd see, I think that's really interesting because more and more you see TV production companies having mental health first aiders, but which is a good start. But it, it, I wonder, James and Jesse, because we work in an industry where you know, creative industry where people are expected to suffer from neuroses, they're expected mm. to be anxious, they're expected to have mental health issues. It goes with the territory to an extent. But it seems to me that in in banks, for example, or football clubs, these, these issues are not being talked about. And it's still, in some areas, seen as a sign of weakness. And football clubs, you know, I remember you know people laughing about the fact, well, Stan Collingwood, how can he be depressed? He's a young man who's got loads of money. Mm-hmm. And there's still... People still don't understand it, Paul, do they? They don't no. understand that depression is a tacit... And it, and it's, See, my mother had suffered from depression all her life. When I was growing up as a kid, my mum was either in hospital or in the back room mm. with the door locked, or she was the best mum in the world. Yeah. And in those days, it was like, oh, your mum suffered. But to me, that was normal. That's perfectly... That's how yeah. things were. And it's it still strikes me that for a lot of it's still... That's that's it's still behind closed doors. It's still yeah, absolutely, and we know at football clubs we know players suffer from from because we've had players tell us privately that they suffer mm. from you know. So, so it, football clubs can take a lead on this. I think football clubs need to be doing a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen it, there's there's been little things. I think it was Norwich. They had some sort of cards that they handed out before the games, and and it and it had some top tips for looking after yourself. I mean, it's a little things like that, but it's all about raising that awareness. I mean, the one that really really struck a chord with me, and it was to do with his age and his profile, his family sort of profile as such at the time, was uh, Gary Cahill. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, Gary Speed. Gary Speed. Yeah. Sorry, we've been talking about Gary Kane yeah, all the yeah. time. But Gary Speed, that one really, really struck a chord because of his age in particular. And, you know, it's out there. Well, he was a man who also seemed to have everything going for him, wasn't he? he was still, yeah, absolutely. Still young, managing yeah. Wales, still good looking. Oh, yeah. Forget that Robbie Savage interview when yeah. he was put on the spot very soon afterwards. And it was, he was absolutely, he said, he used to idolise him. Yeah. I just yeah. couldn't believe it. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, 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 so, it's so out there. I mean, one in four suffer with mental health but that's that's much further reaching than that uh, in the it affects families um it affects your lives it affects mm, your of work course, of course. you know it there's there's so much to it, it it's um it's so far reaching and, and, and those of us who have been around it either i don't think there's anyone around this room who hasn't had spell of anti you know we're all, three of us are freelance for example so it, even the times you don't get paid for six weeks there's those anxieties but yeah. it's more it's dismissed as, as people say it's, it's not unhappy it's not unhappy there's a massive difference between being unhappy we're all unhappy mm. we all wake up one morning and just feel a bit oh god I don't feel yeah. bang on today but that's not depression no 
people don't understand it. it is a palpable illness it is a physical thing it is, yeah, it is. it's debilitating it's as Paul said, it stops you in your tracks you yeah absolutely i mean i'm a stubborn so-and-so so one way or another and maybe i didn't have it as bad as some people or whatever i don't know haven't analyzed it but i forced myself out the door every single day wow. and sometimes it was it was hell on earth to get out that door and go and work i'm also freelance i'm a contractor yeah did you seek help or did help did somebody come to you and say you need help no basically i went i ended up going to see the gp um and that was my first starting point um i filled out there's a there's a standard uh standard questionnaire that you fill out and then based on the answers in the questionnaire (laughs) they kind of say oh i think you've got this or or whatever and and that's where it all started but then based on that i ended up speaking to counselors and things like that some of them i'll be honest with you weren't very good whatsoever because they're always looking for that that actual reason why you're feeling yeah, like this. Yeah. And there isn't always an actual reason. Sometimes it's just you've got one huge stress pot. So uh, I think it's also that, um, you know, I, I don't suffer from depression, but I've been around people that do, and very people, people very close to me do, do still. I think it's more, it's a thing that, it's a, you know, it's, it's just being aware of people around you. And also being a football fan of the football environment, is you, you're very much in this sort, of, this sort of gang mentality a lot of the time. Yeah. And you, mm. you're a lot of sort of peer pressure a lot of the time. And it's often you, you should just look around at your friends and if there's somebody who maybe doesn't want to go to the pub or wants to leave early, just, just, you just be aware that people might... Exactly, there, yeah. there actually might be a reason why. Yeah. It's just like, come on, man, have another pint. What's bloody wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that sort of stuff, which you get. I've seen it happen to people, you know, and it's like all those things. There's a reason sometimes. Yeah. It might not just because they might just want to go home early or whatever, but there might be a reason they just can't deal with that environment. I haven't. And, no and there's no, no harm. Just but, it's just, but it's just being aware without making a big deal of it. Just be aware as a person who maybe doesn't suffer from it. Yeah. To be aware of friends. You might have a, a really close friend that you've got no idea is going through that. Because often people hide it as well, and yeah, very, very right. well. They well, hide it very know, well. That leaving early things. My my mum died a couple of years ago, mm. which yeah, came as a blessed relief. She's old circle of life stuff. Yeah, yeah. Ali was ill at the same time, and and she came through, which was thank God. But and I know I haven't grieved for my mum at all. Yeah. But I've since my mum died, and only since my mum died, I find it very difficult to stay to the end of Palace games. Mm. And I don't know. I don't know why that is. Mm. And I can't put a finger on it, but it's only since then. And I know my wife keeps saying, you need to talk to somebody, you need to talk to a counsellor. But again, even though I'm somebody who's who's articulate and aware of these issues... I still, I still know man, I'm man up. It's like at my mum's funeral, I was like yeah. Del Boy, yeah, yeah. you know, tipping the weight, which is being, then that's how my way of coping with things. I know that's not logical. I'm sorry, I know you, you were about to say something before earlier, Jesse. When I, I was just going to ask, what, what do you think are the, um, the, the positive opportunities offered by being in a football community? Because obviously football is something guys are willing to talk about. Yeah. So is, this, yeah. is it because it's so close to yeah. that that you found it an outlet um, yeah, well, and into what you've done. Yeah, so, so me, um, football is a big bubble that you can submerge yourself into mm-hmm. and you can forget about everything for a while. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's that get away from everything for a period of time. Uh, there's that. The, the football itself, I mean, it's, football itself has got to be the probably the biggest icebreaker there is. I mean, yeah. you can walk into a, I've walked into a pub after an away game and ended up talking to a Tottenham and a West Ham fan. You know, I didn't know two minutes beforehand. So there's there's that side of it. And I think once you've, once you've got that that little nugget of something to talk about, it then opens the door to talk about other stuff. So at weddings, if you get set at a table with somebody who doesn't like football, <laughs> yeah. you're not... There's no, nothing, you might as well go home. to say, have it? It's <laughs> the worst it? wedding ever. <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah, so there's well, that. That's so, interesting, though, because having that shared, that something in common, gives you that sort of shared humanity that opens yeah. the door, as you say. Exactly. We do We do need to move on, Paul, I'm afraid. There will be people listening to this yeah. who are suffering from mental health problems mm-hmm. and, and maybe for the first time... I've become aware that they're not the only ones by listening to this. And I think certainly with working class men, I think it's really important for people to see someone like you, Paul, who would probably identify as working class. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who drinks in the porcelain's arms, somebody who's a palace obsessed, and they might think, well, if he's open, you know, can articulate, can admit it, then I can too. Yeah, absolutely. So for those people listening, what what would you recommend they do? Go to the GP, talk go to, to Samaritans? Yeah, go to the GP, talk to Samaritans, talk to uh, NHS 111 talk to uh, Calm as well, which is Campaign Against Living Miserably. Um, and if you're worried about doing that, then join one of our walks. We're, we're walking up to Arsenal in a few weeks' time. Uh, we're doing it in conjunction with Samaritans, which is the real people 
uh, Real Stories uh, campaign. Um, and so that's a that's a huge link up. And uh, yeah, we're just hoping to make a difference. But that little, even just joining our walk, that can give you that that power in your head to be able to take that step and talk to somebody because it's it's full of like-minded people. Well, also as well, come to the Pawson's Arms if you want. Yeah. Come and have a chat with any of us if you if you if you're reluctant to do official things. Yeah. Come and talk to Paul. You know, yeah. Who yeah. understands? So. Yeah. I had that the other week. A young lad approached me in the Pawson's and said, "Oh, can I come and speak to you? I've been having anxiety." And it was yeah. really, I don't know. I was really shocked but yeah. also I was I was really sort of like chuffed that he had done that touched as well yeah, yeah. yeah it's good yeah, well it, it, yeah. it means that what you're talking about and speaking on here about it's actually making a difference yeah. and if it's just one person it's making a difference yeah. too it's worth it yeah absolutely yeah. Exactly. And, absolutely. and on that subject before we finish it's the marathon march on Saturday for Palace for Life and mental health issues is one of the very many uh, things that we're raising money for uh, some of us at FYP James Endicott I'm looking at you are doing the marathon march uh, so if you'd I'm like to, well. if, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, if you want to sponsor us, go, go to the Just Giving page uh, for us. Uh, FYP, I'm not uh, JD did write it down somewhere, but I've mislaid the piece. <laughs> it's on your link. It's on. It's on the. Yeah, it's on our link. link. So, um, and if you just want to turn up and say hello, Eddie is joining us for the first couple of miles. Hopefully, but, he's wearing high heels. Well, I, I believe he is. Last time I spoke to him, he's just for, for <laughs> maximum publicity. But, um, and Paul, I, I genuinely want to say thank you for. for for talking to us about that. No, thank you. Because I know it, it can't be easy, And but I, as Ender says, if only one person is yeah. helped by that, that'd be fine. So um, we'll take a brief break. We'll be back for a, a short preview of what's coming up in the next week. Nothing. And then we'll talk about what's happening the week after that. Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Uh, welcome back to Five Year Plan Palace Podcast. Hey, hey. hey. still I, I wonder why you rebranded the podcast. Yeah. The I don't. Podcast. I do you know what people. A lot of people asked me that uh, last time, and I don't know why. That's three hundred pods. Where it's just I know, the it's, FYP it's podcast. podcast. I know. Well, that's that, the FYP Palace Podcast. I've got to stamp my own identity on it. No, I like I it. No, I'm, I'm, give, I'm, give I'm into it. I'm going to give JD an editing challenge, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> got, looking for something to do right now. Putting one foot in front of the other is a challenge for JD on most days. Let's put that editing challenge. <laughs> edit that out, JD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Let's all say something. Oh, never mind. Let's not do that. It's childish. Um, so there's, there's an international break this week. Uh, I, I don't know any football fan for whom that comes as good news. It's just... I, I just don't know why we can't take it as a given that the top 10 teams is just going to qualify without having to ruin the planet by flying off to far-flung places in Eastern Europe to beat up some... Um, well, you know, just saying that, you look at some teams, yeah, I think if, if you were a Tottenham Hotspur fan now, you'd be glad of the international That's break. a very fair point. You'd be absolutely glad of it. Yes. And, but the other yeah, teams yeah. are on a roll who wouldn't be. So, you know, it's, yeah. you know, if you were Mo- Pochettino, you're like, I mean, I actually saw him being interviewed the night. He went, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need this break because, you know, you know, for whatever reason. The injury thing as well. Yeah. That's another week for you. I have to say that Tottenham, that I didn't know what to do to Brighton Tottenham because your instinct, of course, is to laugh at everything that happens at Tottenham, but not mm. when it's happening at Brighton. No. That's, I generally wanted that to free free all in the end. <laughs> Usually in this window, a manager's head rolls, doesn't it? Yeah. Premier League. Yeah, but it's absolutely. difficult to see I, that I don't might think, be. I, don't, I can't see anybody's head rolling this no. break. I think it would have happened already, to yeah. be honest. And I don't think, I think Norwich will go down, but I think they'll keep their manager whether they go down or not. Jesse, what do you reckon about that? Do you reckon you'll stay or do you think you'll go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you better point out what you mean unless you've got it. Well, I think all our listeners know that. If you listen to the podcast, you know we mention it every week. He's number one Norwich City. Yeah. It was quite weird seeing him walk down the touchline. Yeah, the it's, it's, yeah. I was like, someone's going to point this out. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we, we, we're looking ahead to the Man City game. Um, so we've got a couple of questions from uh, patrons. Ooh. Uh, these are 
in the WhatsApp club part of the Jason Punchenteer. The Jason Punchenteer, yeah. brilliant. Uh, five five dollars a month. I don't know why five, it's five dollars. Is this what it's come to already? I know. Brexit's not even happened, and JD's got us paying in dollars. Well, it isn't. Well, at least it's not the euro. His off, yeah. offshore, yeah. <laughs> offshore yeah. FYP account. You think that's what it is? <laughs> five euros. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think JD's actually playing a big game? That he's actually just pretending to be a lovable. And he's lost faith in the pound. He's, he's, gone, he's gone straight for the dollar. <laughs> Uh, anyway, you can sign up at uh, Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N uh, dot com at FYP Podcast. And we've got two questions, uh, both related to the midfield, basically. First one's from Charlie Sullivan. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Does Luca, does Luca get his starting place back versus City? Um, I don't think he's influenced games as much as he could this season. And on the same role, Nathan Jones says, Hi, Nathan. Hi, Nathan. Uh, Luca's been out of sorts this season. Has Saturday proven that MacArthur is an option for the holding midfield role? He was absolutely superb on Saturday. Passing between the lines was sublime, and it would free up Cahill to be captain like the natural leader he is. So, I'd, my first it's a tricky of all, one, isn't it? I'd, uh, Luke is going straight back in the team. Of course he is. Yeah. No, I mean, no, absolutely no question he will be... With his, yeah, pen, his penalty record. Well, yeah. And also Roy's record for... Yeah, I know he sticks with a winning team normally, but Luke is the captain. He's he's not affected games as much as he has done this season, admittedly, mm. but he's going straight back in the team. Of I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I think it's a, a decent question as to you know, which which of them go... It, McCarthy, MacArthur, who gets dropped... Paul, presumably he McCarthy. Will I think it's McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, I think it's McCarthy. With perhaps him coming on later, as he has done um, recently. Uh, I think Lucas stepped straight back in. Um, I think where he hasn't been so good is is those sort of free kicks and corners. His mm. penalty, oh, yeah, his penalty record is you know second to none. Yeah. How many times so. do we have to say on this pod the corners are just so? <laughs> no, they're dreadful. Awful. Predictable. They yeah. end in the well, same. Look who, yeah, look at who we've got. You know, we've got. Some some great big lads that come forward for corners. And, yeah. and, and, and when was the last one you remember someone actually heading in from? But it, it actually takes some skill, Jesse, to to get the ball in the same spot every corner, just enough yeah, consistently so that the, so the centre backs <laughs> know exactly where he's going to be. It's like either somebody else, but the, you know, remember the old days of the, the near post corner. Not yeah. all the old days. Well, Andy Thorne, it took it took teams a whole season to work out that goal. <laughs> the flick on. Yeah, the flick on. Yeah, yeah. You've got to try something different, Jesse. It's, it's, it's from the Ben Watson school of corner taking, isn't oh, it? Cool. It's just you can't beat the first man anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's, it has been quite painful. We haven't, yeah, you're right. Scott Dan was the last threat we kind of had. We associate with those set pieces into yeah. the box and. He's faded and not even playing anymore. So yeah, it's, it feels like a little bit of an untapped area with the, the height we've got. You see Kelly get that assist the other day. Yeah. So um, yeah, we just we need to work better on our set pieces because yeah. Luke. Not, you yeah. know, I know he's not on all the time, but Ben Teke. I mean, that's the one opportunity where perhaps we don't play to his strengths, but from corners, that's a prime opportunity for him. Mm. It was uh, McCarthy had a great weight in the air. McCarthy had a great shot, didn't he? Yeah, really good. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. encouraging to see because all too often we've been guilty of not shooting either, just mm-hmm. in, and, in and around the box. So that was great to see. Do you think, though, uh, Enders, that Man City, yeah, we are only two points behind Man City. Yeah. Although, as I said, I prefer to see it as eight points ahead of Norwich. But <laughs> it's, you know, Man City didn't play well against Wolves, but they are still a Man City team. are another team who are looking forward to the international break. Yeah, they're a, but they're a phenomenal team. They're one they, of the teams. In they, Europe, you know, they are going to come. They're going to come back after the break, and they are going to be. They want to prove everybody wrong. Of course they do. They but gonna, <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be. But do uh, we? Do we? You know, will we'll perhaps Roy surprise us? Do we approach that game as a team that are only two points behind Man City, or do we accept that we are underdogs and maybe? Add an extra midfield body and lose one of the wide players. Maybe I think we will approach the game as the fact we are eight points above Norwich, without a yeah. doubt. Uh, without a doubt, you know, I don't think we're under any illusions that we're going to. As much as we all we all fantasise and we'd love it, you know, we are we are not a top six team. I mean, we're just not. Yeah. But we are a very very decent team. We're knocking on the top six door. Who could cause upsets? These next five games, we could cause upsets. You know, now whether that's going to come against Man City or not, I don't know. Now the, the question is, do we go there in a defensive? you know mm. in a defensive way I, I think we go there as I always say when we go away to these big teams you be it Liverpool or Man City you go there and the first 10-15 minutes just blitz them just use that pace we've got use use Wilf use Andros if he's on the pitch and just use that pace and just not because people expect you to go there and just sit back mm. especially when it's Man City you have so much possession I, mean, I think even against Wolves they had like 70 odd percent yeah, well, 70 odd possession well our recent record against Man City Jesse is actually Quite good. We had the nil-nil at Sellers Park. We beat them at their place. So 
we shouldn't we should be beyond the stage where we're approaching every game like it's our first season in the Premier League and if we get a point that's especially at home. I mean my my fear is that you know Man City's forwards will be looking at Cahill and Kelly and thinking this is gonna be a field day. So why not try and expose them at the back? They're not defending as well as they have done in previous seasons, so why not try and get that first goal, do what we never do, get on the front foot? Yeah. Oh, and, it, and it's clear that Guardiola has a lot of respect for Roy. Yes, and he's, Palace he's, in general, I think. Yeah, he's made them think in the games that we've played. He's really tested um, the way that he plays against us. And yeah, we've, we should have had more points against him if it weren't for that, that rare penalty miss. But um, yeah, I think I saw the Cahill on the Match of the Day highlights. Got a really nice package at the end. Yeah. showed all his good stuff, but they didn't show any of that in the match highlights. And the first thing I noticed in the match highlights was... Uh, the first two crosses that came in from um, West Ham were Cahill just letting the cross come in. Mm. He, I mean, he was trying to actually overcompensate for PVA being a bit out of position. But the two crosses came in for the uh, Felipe Anderson miss and everything. And then for the goal, that wasn't really broken down, but that looked a little bit like Kelly and Cahill hadn't quite communicated on who was picking up the spare guy in the middle. They kind of backed off to the yeah. six-yard line. Um, and just you could see Cahill had his head in his hands. He kind of knew that he probably could have done a bit more. So I think this is the typical situation where you'll see uh, the top teams take advantage of what we where we perhaps don't quite have what, uh, something that can match up to their their forward line. So it'll be a, a good test for Cahill and Kelly. I hope that they can just um, just keep us in the game to, as it goes on because. If you can't go. We went one nil down against City at the Et- at the Etihad. Yeah. But I really liked what Wolves did the other day because Traore, who uh, we spoke about against us, he got P- PVA let him cross into the back post uh, to, to Hotter against Wood. He he did a great job against Sterling, just nullifying that threat, and then they put him up front for the last mm. ten uh, to use his pace and got onto the end of Jimenez's great assists. So. I think that's, there's, a, there's a great case study there on how to take the game to City as, yeah. as James well, no, Unfortunately, Paul, and I'll give you the last word to this one, you, yeah. we, we haven't quite got the same pace as someone like Triori has. Wilf and Andros no. haven't got that pace yeah. to hit them like that. So you imagine the game plan will be slightly different. I imagine Ayu is going to be the hardest working man on the pitch. Yeah, I think Ayu will probably run his legs off. Um, I, I don't know, it's one of those where I, what I'd expect, I mean, we're back at Soho, so what I expect is to um, soak it up and then try and get it out to that outlet as in Will for Andros or Jeffrey who doesn't seem to do that so much but that's what I'd expect to happen I think it's going to be them that's going to have all of that possession mm. and uh, yeah we just need to see if we can get it out there on, hopefully on the ground because Sayu's not going to win that many headers yeah, yeah. in the air <laughs> OK well what, one last question and I do apologise generally to all those people whose questions I didn't get round to and to JD, because I didn't put all the questions in one section. I spread them out through the show. How dare you? My, yeah, my rules this week, so ed- JD. Editing challenge, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, it? exactly. Yeah. Um, but this, is, this, this, <coughs> this question is for all of you. Uh, well, I'll direct it at you, Enders, because I okay. think you've... This is from Chaz Lucas. Hi, Chaz. Hi, Chaz. Uh, would it be the most Palace thing ever <laughs> to get more points in the next five games than the five easy games after follow that? Of course it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely it would be. Uh, yes. I mean, you, as, as with a lot of teams at our level, but especially at Palace, we always raise our game against the better clubs. We always do. But that, but that top five above us are not necessarily will end up all being in the top five. Yeah, I generally think, Jess, I mean, Man City, Liverpool... Anything yeah. that's bonus point time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the way we're playing this season, you know, Tottenham, I think, was an aberration. But yeah. Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester—they're they're all doable. They're all Abs- doable, absolutely, think, without, without absolutely. a doubt. Yeah, especially at, at home. And a, a lot of people, a lot of the pundits and ex-players, have been talking about our home form this season. And yeah, I know it's only four games in against lesser opposition, but we. Very hard to break down at home. So what, what, what I do think, Kevin, this is maybe a stupid thing to say, but I think if, if we lose our next five games, we will still not be in the bottom three. Well, no. I'm, I'm, we just won't be. I'm glad you said that because uh, Mrs. Day doesn't listen to this, but she would say, <laughs> stop me and say, okay, pessimistic. <laughs> compared to, you know, in the previous two seasons, if we had this run of five games coming up, Jesse, we'd be absolutely panicking, but we've banked some points. So possibly we could lose all five of them yeah, and still be mid-table so yeah. absolutely right yeah. which is what I think will happen well I don't think it will happen because I think happen. we will get some, some points point, yeah. I do think we'll get some points yeah. for the next five games but if you, if you look if, if you include the five games afterwards and you set a target of only 
a point from 10 games, yeah, then I'd be more than we'll, we'll, we'll go into Christmas in a really, really good spot. It's really refreshing to go into well, big, it? big games with no pressure. Isn't that great? Mm. I think, and usually well, talking about the let's savour this moment. Well, yeah, thank goodness we've got an international so, break to savour it in. <laughs> well, usually, because <laughs> when the international breaks come around, we usually panic, like, <laughs> we're usually in the, in, in the frame of Spurs fans today. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just we need that little break from it because we weren't picking up, we weren't even scoring goals at home, were yeah, we? No, exactly. like, we're used to just having a terrible uh, start to the season, especially at home, which has just been a complete turnaround this yeah. year. So long may it continue, but let's see how we get on against these teams. I think it will. Oh, you'd nearly, you'd, if you'd stop there, that would have been the most yeah. positive note we could have ended on. <laughs> uh, well. It's just, JD, if you edit that bit out, yeah, yeah, JD, yeah. basically, but keep me saying edit it out, and then, then yeah, oh no, that's going to really be confusing. confusing. <laughs> um, this, is, this has been Pod 301. Thank you very much uh, for everybody involved. Jesse, Paul, James. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Uh, and most importantly, you at home. Oh, God. The most important people in the world, it says here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for Pod 302. By the week after, actually. Uh, we'll see you in the week after next for Pod 302. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.